Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt, and I'm a board-certified integrative and functional nutritionist. I live on the seacoast of New Hampshire and work with clients in my virtual practice all over the world through private consultations and online nutrition and functional medicine programs. Functional medicine nutrition is all about diving deep with people to get to the root cause of their health issues. And that's exactly what I tackle in this podcast. All things health, food, and nutrition. Unpacking current research and almost a decade of clinical experience. I love to bring experts and thought leaders to the table so we can all learn together. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive in. Guess who's Bazak? Erin here on the microphone. Uh, I took a break from podcasting, if you weren't aware. Two-month hiatus. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about that, why I took the break, what I did, but I first want to say that I am so excited to be back. Um, I definitely missed this. I missed you guys. I'm happy to be here. Hopefully you went back in time and listened to some old episodes because there's a lot of them at this point. I've been podcasting for two years, so we've got some resources. Um, and it wasn't that I wasn't on the mic these past two months. I was creating a ton of content for Your Hormone Revival. So I've been talking a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, and doing a lot of research and having all sorts of fun. Um, today, we're going to answer a listener question about exercising for hormonal imbalance. We're also going to talk a bit about the adrenals because it's hard to talk about the hormones without talking about the adrenals. Um, but I do want to take a moment or a couple of moments before we dive into today's topic to explain why I took the break. And it's not because it's so major and monumental, but it's more so I want to use myself as an example because this theme keeps coming up over and over again with my friends, with my clients, with my family members. A lot of us have sort of convinced ourselves that the way we're living our life is the only way. So we may feel a little bit trapped, stuck, bound to the ways that we've constructed our life around us, the ways that we've built it up, and we don't know how to get out. We might be able to evaluate that things aren't working, but we're like, this is it. We're just kind of stuck with this. Um, and even though we might look around and say, geez, holy, holy smokes, I'm, I'm really maxed out. I'm really stressed. I am overwhelmed and under-resourced. Even if we're aware of that, we just keep on keeping on. Um, and instead of actively doing the things in our lives to take things off of our plates or create space in order to take things off our plates, we just keep shoving more things on our plates. And then we're like, I can't figure out why I'm so exhausted. Uh, I can't figure out why I can't sleep at night. So weird. I can't figure out why I have hormonal imbalance, why I'm getting panic attacks every day, right? Um, like I said, I'm underway in your hormone revival. So we're currently in month two. And between this group of women and my one-on-one -on -one clients, I've been seeing a lot of hormone tests lately. And wow, a lot of us are in an active stress response or or we're dealing with the ramifications of being in an active stress response for a long period of time. So it's happening, you guys. 
it's it's happening. Um, I'm seeing clinical data to support that. And I'm sure I've said this before, but the refresher is always helpful. Stress isn't just the awareness of stress. It's not like, oh, I feel stressed out. Um, but it's actually an objective, measurable set of physiological events that are happening in the body. And that's really more of an accurate gauge of whether an organism is under stress. So I'm seeing that, like most of us are under stress. We're seeing the data to say that you're under physiological stress, even if you aren't aware of it. Um, or even if it's just become your norm, I think a lot of people kind of rationalize stress where they're like, ah, it's just stress. And you'll see that in today's listener question, in fact. Um, but just stress is, is real stress to the body. It's, it's a real thing and it's, it's taking its toll. Um, and the answer is not just to take adaptogens and hormone balancing herbs and maca root, although those can be extremely helpful but it's more so to take a long, hard look at your life and assess where the stress might be coming from. So I just wanna hit on a couple of main causes of stress in the body. We'll start with dietary stress because, hey, I'm a nutritionist. Um, so eating a poor diet that doesn't give your body the macronutrients, the vitamins, the minerals, and the requisite cofactors to drive chemical cellular processes in the body is a stressor. Um, it absolutely is a stressor. You could also be eating foods that you're sensitive to without knowing it or on purpose, and that's causing a stressful situation in your gut every time you're exposed to those foods. There could be inflammatory stress, so maybe there's a gut pathogen, there's something that's causing inflammation in the body that's continuing to trigger your stress alarms. Or we could be looking at emotional stress. Um, I would put busy lifestyle, overworked, underrested into this category. We could be looking at trauma. We could be looking at uh, a number of different things, emotional, psychological stress. So you have to analyze for yourself where the heck is the stressor coming from? And then you have to do something to address the stressor. And I will say this is the trickiest part of my work. Um, is because I can't go into somebody's life and tell them where their stressors are coming from. I can do it from a physical standpoint. I could certainly look at labs and, and all that kind of stuff. But the emotional stress, that's hard, right? That, that requires you to dig deep to assess it and then also do something about it. And this always makes me think of the Lizzo quote, boss up and change your life. If you want to change something physically, then you actually have to change something in your life, right? Boss up, change your life. Um, and that's what I had to do these past couple of months. I had to boss up in a major way. I think for a lot of us, definitely myself, um, for sure, part of the stressor that we experience on a day-to-day -day basis is being absolutely at our max capacity. It's that plate is full mentality. And it, instead of taking things off the plate, we just keep heaping things on. So this is where I found myself. And the irony of this whole situation is that while I was creating this program for adrenal health and hormone health, well, you know what, let me, let me back up a step. Let me back up a few steps. One of the reasons that I created this program in the first place was because I wanted to do the functional medicine nutrition work that I'm doing, but be able to do it with more people because I max out at a certain number of individual one-on-one -on -one clients. 
And when all of this was going down, when I realized I was at my breaking point, I was double my max. So double my max clients um, where I feel most comfortable. And when that happens, the client, just to be clear, is never the one to suffer because I'm going to perform 100% no matter what. So what starts to suffer is my mental health, my emotional health, my family, my friends, my social life, all of those things drop off in order for me to do my work. And I realized that that is not a behavior or a mindset that was serving me well. And I have nobody else to blame for it. My husband always reminds me, he's like, yo, you're the one driving this train so you can slow it down, right? This isn't me um, complaining or, or blaming at all. Um, it was more about saying, like realizing my tendencies towards overwork and, um, realizing that that wasn't, wasn't working for me anymore. Um, it was a behavior and a mindset that was causing me a lot of emotional stress in my life. And I was able to see that and say, okay, something has to change. Something definitely has to change. Um, the problem for me personally, and I think for probably a lot of you guys listening, is that this combats my drive. And my drive is to help as many women as possible. I really want to work with more women. Um, this work makes people feel better. This work gets results. And so when somebody reaches out and asks to work with me, especially you know, when it's an easy ask and it's something I know I could help with, my first inclination is to say yes, because I want people to feel better. Um, and let me just clarify when I say easy ask, I mean, it's not like an easy fix by any stretch. It's just um, some people are really ready. Some people reach out to me and they're not ready. Um, and when people reach out to me and they are ready, I am so ready to meet them where they're at and be like, yeah, let's do this. Let's do the damn thing. Um, so anyway, part of creating my hormone program is to was to be able to do the work that I'm doing, but in a group setting so more people can access it. And so that's awesome. And that's all coming to fruition. And it's amazing, right? I, I'm so stoked. I love it. I'm having such a great time with these women. But in doing so, in shifting gears, even though it was a long-term play to alleviate stress and get me to my goals where I could help women but take less of a toll on myself, in my sanity, in my health, um, in shifting gears, I was experiencing a lot of adrenal stress on my own. And the, the irony of this is your hormone revival, in case you don't know, it's a three-month program for adrenal, thyroid, and hormone health. And I was like mucking up my own hormones when I was creating the damn program because I was so, um, so maxed out, you know. Um, but it was a means to an end too. So anyway, I was creating this program. Um, and by the way, if you've never created an online program, all I have to say is, OMG, it's an extraordinary amount of labor. I always forget how much work, how much more work it actually is. Um, there's another podcast I listen to. Uh, it's Lindsay Mack, Tarot for the Wild Soul. I love that, by the way. She does a monthly medicine that's so bang on every month. Um, but I happened to be listening and she was talking about creating a online program and she just 
was so honest about it being such an extraordinary amount of labor. And I was like, I felt like she was speaking right to my heart because I'm like, oh my God, she gets it. And I also felt less crazy. I'm like, okay, so it's just this much work. Cool. It's a lot. It is a lot of stuff. I was actually crunching numbers. Um, and I realized that for every hour of content, it takes me at least eight to 10 hours to produce it, which is a lot. I mean, that's true for this podcast too. It takes me a full, a full day to produce a podcast, a full day's work. Um, so I started working on it in April and now we're in October. Um, so it's going to be like seven to not to, to eight months of my life that, that this, this took. So with all of that, go so a lot of work. Okay. With all of that going on, creating the program, still running a full client load. I crashed. I crashed really hard. And this is where I'm just going to let you in on a little secret. So I remember Voxing my friend. So I, we use the Voxer app all the time. Um, and I was crying and I was in my lawn. I just remember it's like one of those like life-changing moments, I think. Um, and I, I said to her, I have nothing left to give. By the end of the work day, I'm all used up. I have nothing. And that was definitely a turning point. I heard myself. It was almost like an outer body experience. I heard myself and I was like, this is insane. This is absolutely nuts. So what can I do to change it? This is crazy. This is not working for me. What could I do to change it? And the fact of the matter is I couldn't just give up my one-on-one -on -one clients, right? Like couldn't just be like, oh, hey, I'm not working with you anymore. Bye-bye. Can't do it. I couldn't stop the program. It was already underway. People had signed up. We were doing it. And remember, this is like a long play means to an end to reduce my overall stress load. Um, so I had to really assess what could come off my plate, both long-term and short-term. And the podcast was one of those short-term things. And it was a hard decision. I mean, talking about it now, looking back on it, it's so silly that it felt like such a hard decision. But I was like, you know, what do I have to do to keep my family going, to keep my clients going, to keep my business going every single day? What are the absolute musts in the podcast? Simply was not one of them. I love the podcast. I think it's an awesome resource. But like I said, it takes a full business day in order to produce it. I have to research a topic, organize my thoughts in a cohesive manner. It's easier said than done. Um, I have to record it, edit, publish it, all that. It's not like I just get in front of a mic for an hour. Um, so I've been going hard for two years with only a week off here and there. And I realized that I needed that day back in order to get myself back to baseline. So I took that time. And again, the reason that I'm sharing this with all of you is because I had convinced myself that a podcast needed to be produced every single week. I had committed to it. I have thousands of subscribers who wait for a show every week. It is not something I can outsource. There's nobody else to do the podcast. It's just me, you know? Oh, by the way, Kyle is not on the podcast anymore. Not because there was a following out. She just has a full-time job. It just became a little bit too much for her because it's so much work. Um, so, I'm, you know, she might pop on from time to time, but it's, it is me and my guests from here on out, just an FYI. So anyway, if I'm not creating the content and recording and producing the show, then the podcast doesn't get done. So I had convinced myself that I had to. I felt bound 
I felt tied. I felt stuck. There was no other way that I could see it. I was just like, this is something that I have to do. And that belief was causing me a lot of stress and a lot of overwhelm. I'm talking like full blown panic attack style, you know, like not just like, I'm a little stressed out. No, I was like having a breakdown. Um, So I had to analyze that belief and analyze my life and say, what can come off of my plate? I had a boss up. Lizzo style. I don't want to be letting Lizzo down. I had a boss up. Um, in my professional and business life, this was the thing. This was the thing that I had to let go. It was originally going to be six weeks. Um, no, maybe four weeks. I don't know. It was originally going to be a short period of time. And then I just realized that six weeks wasn't enough. I needed more time. So I just took the time. And you know what? Nobody died. There was no major crisis. Everybody's still cool. Hopefully you're back here listening to this episode. Um, And I appreciate all of you understanding that and being here. So that's that. Um, I think we hear, no, I don't think, I know. I know we hear a lot about self-care. We hear a lot about saying no. We hear a lot about creating boundaries and all of it. But are we doing that, right? Was I doing that? I, I am personally most inspired by witnessing real life action, not so much like talking about things in theory, like, yeah, we should be doing this. Yeah, we should be doing this, right? But like, how are you actually doing this? Actually show me an example of how you do it. And then I am more apt to see how I can do it in my own life. So again, that's why I'm sharing this with you. It's, it's, I think just using the real life example of like, here's where my life was falling apart. <laughs> Here's where I was falling apart. Here's how stress was affecting me. And these are the decisions that I made to to change it, right? I'm restructuring my business. I said no to doing the podcast for a minute, right? Like there's, there's even when we feel stuck, we have a choice. We always have a choice. And I feel like for those of you guys like myself who are um, inclined toward anxiety, Use that anxiety. When that anxiety starts to bubble up, it is a message. It is information. It is telling you something. It is telling you it is time to reevaluate your life. How can you do it? Boss up. Um, Okay, so that is my spiel. How long have I been talking? Oh, 17 minutes. Casual 17 minutes, of course. Did you miss me? Did you miss this insane rambling? Okay, So speaking of being at max capacity, let's hop over to our listener question. Hi, Erin. My name is Kate. I'm 32 years old. We are farmers and I homeschool our five kids. Wow, that sounds like a lot, right? About a year ago, I had something kind of like a nervous breakdown. My body stopped functioning normally. For the first time in my life, I was experiencing severe anxiety. And then one night I didn't sleep at all. Then another. And for two weeks, I didn't. I thought I was going to die. It was the darkest days of my life. I'm not really a worrier, so I wasn't staying awake at night worrying about things. After lots of reading, I'm thinking just stress of life caused hormonal imbalance. I've slowly been recovering. Most nights I sleep without meds nowadays. I haven't taken the plunge to get functional testing done because of the financial commitment, and I've also had a bad experience with a useless naturopath in the past. 
I've been taking some supplements and have been eating really well because I find it makes a di big difference for me. I haven't been exercising because I've found physical activity seems to cause an anxiety feeling in my chest and often leads to trouble sleeping. Here's my question. I'm wondering if you would do a podcast or Instagram post on exercise and how to experience it if you've had hormonal issues. I would love to hear your thoughts or experiences. Thank you sincerely, Kate. So I actually did do a Instagram post um, because I was under so much stress, like life stress, I dramatically changed the way that I exercise. And I talked about it on Instagram a little bit. So you guys might have seen that just some different things I was doing. I limited it to um, I limited my exercise to walking and to yoga, um, not even hot yoga, just more gentle restorative yoga for a while. And then I slowly built up with uh, vinyasa yoga and then I slowly got back into hot yoga um, and when I returned to weight lifting I did rest-based training which we'll talk about a little bit and I am now making my way back into interval training um, for the past few weeks I've been doing more hot pilates and I have been um, really catering that to my own needs and this topic keeps coming up with my clients. So I really wanted to address it on the show. Um, and one of the things that I've been helping my clients do is figure out how much exercise they can get away with and how to either continue what they're doing but modify it or how to assess if maybe they should not be continuing what they're doing. So I'm going to share all of those um, some of the bigger ideas, um, more generalized stuff with you guys today. I do want to hit on a couple of talking points here. Um, I'm going to tell Kate to kind of go back and listen to the intro of this podcast where if life stress is what's causing the physiological episodes in your body, the physical symptoms in your body, you have to evaluate life stress. So it's not like taking pills and supplements and eating better is necessarily going to fix anything if you're not reconstructing your life to be less stressful. So that's the first things first. I just spent 17 minutes talking about it. So I won't beat that ho dead horse. Such an awful saying. Why do I keep saying it? Peta's going to be out to get me. Okay. The other thing I want to quickly touch upon is her comment on the financial commitment piece. I totally get that these functional labs are not inexpensive. I totally get it. And I know we've talked about this on the show before, um, but there is real validity to the concept of test, don't guess, because you can spend a lot of time and money throwing things against a wall to see what sticks and just like fingers crossed, hoping for the best. Um, but it... When things have been going on for a while and you've tried all sorts of interventions, it sounds like Kate's on her road to recovery. She's feeling better anyway. So I might not be talking directly to Kate, but just more generalized because this comes up a lot. Um, it, it just makes sense to get the answers, to really uncover what the heck is going on. One of the biggest pieces of feedback I get from my clients is that this was worth every penny. And I'm not like prompting clients to say that, like, you know, <laughs> you know, asking leading questions. I'm just always surprised how much people say that towards the end of working with me. This was worth every penny because for those, I will say 
um, you know, I've been in practice for eight years. I wasn't always running functional tests. That's a relatively new addition to my practice over the past couple of years. Those who weren't getting tests end up spending more time with me and maybe not getting as good of a results and can spend more money in the long run because of this. So I do think it makes sense to get the functional testing done if you have chronic things going on. And especially with this sort of thing, it's really hard just to go off of symptoms. We're like, could it be sex hormones? Could it be adrenals? Could it be thyroid? You know, I don't know, but we don't want to just go in heavy handed with a specific intervention if we don't know what's going on. Um, I do think hormonal imbalance is a safe assumption based on what Kate is telling me, but what kind of hormonal imbalance, right? Um, my exercise recommendations for people are different based on what I see in their labs, um, especially in regards to cortisol levels too. So, um, so we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit, but just know that these labs can be so insightful and sometimes they're just worth throwing the extra coin. Even if you've worked with a practitioner who didn't, um, did, you didn't find great success with just, you know, move on to another practitioner. Um, it always, this is a, a weird thing to say, I think, but it's like jumping out in my head. Um, one of my ex-boyfriends one time was, had, he said to me, he goes, you can't blame me for your father's mistakes. Again, one of those weird like things that will just never leave my head, but I'm like, yeah, you know, you're right. And I feel like sometimes we do that with practitioners. We have a bad experience with one and then we carry that uh, baggage over into our experience with the next practitioner. And I've had people reach out to me kind of like almost mad at me. <laughs> like it sounds like they're mad at me because they've had so many bad experiences there, you know, and it's, it's tough. It's tough. Like I can't, you know, you can't blame me for your for bad experience with other practitioners and um you know just remember that there are other practitioners out there and maybe you just you guys were just out of sync maybe there's nothing wrong with a practitioner that you worked with but you guys are just not in lockstep um okay the other thing i want to say about what kate is experiencing is that it does sound a little bit thyroidy especially with the lack of sleep the anxiety that could be hyperthyroid. um so i would if i were kate definitely get her thyroid checked out by her doctor doing a full thyroid panel. Um, and that is all outlined in episode 49 of the show, why you need to test your thyroid and how to do it. The other thing I want to um, mention based on what Kate said is her just stress comment, just stress, that's just stress. It's just stress causing hormonal imbalance. We say this all the time. I mean, I'm guilty of the same saying the same exact thing. I had <laughs> I got shingles reactivated um, a couple of months ago. What up, stress? And I was like, oh, it's just stress. I mean, I do it too, so I'm not picking apart Kate here. But we write it off. Oh, it's just stress. But remember, stress has real physiological consequences in the body. Stress can deplete or elevate the, the immune system. So you, you can, it can leave you more susceptible to infections. It can send your immune system into overdrive, leave, leading to autoimmunity. Another way to think about it too, I love this. I love thinking about it this way because it, it really helps people connect the dots. But um, stress isn't free. It requires your body to pay down. 
um, anxiety and panic and stress all require signaling in the body, which require nutritional cofactors. So you're using up nutrients, you're burning through body stores, you're, you're burning through your resources in order to handle those stress signals in your body. So anxiety, not free of charge. Um, and I think this is why, or I don't think, I know that this is why folks that are under stress are especially long-term, are often depleted in B vitamins, they're depleted in vitamin C, magnesium. So just keep that in mind, just stress. I think we have to like wipe that from our vernacular. We just have, to, we, we have to remove the word just. It is stress, it is stress. All right, so back to Kate. We don't know exactly what your hormones are doing, but we can definitely for sure guess that there's some adrenal involvement here. So I'm going to quickly read you some symptoms of cortisol dysregulation. This is when the HPA, your hypothalamus pituitary adrenal signaling gets a little bit wonky. So your brain is sensing stress and it's, you know, the hypothalamus is speaking to the pituitary, which is then speaking to the adrenal gland saying stress time. So your adrenal glands produce stress hormones. They produce things like cortisol and DHEA and catecholamines, right? So we have this stress cascade. And when this happens um, over a long period of time, it can start to really grind down on the body. So we can feel stressed out often. We can start to experience weight gain around the middle, muffin top. Um, sitting still might feel hard. Like people who say, I can't meditate. I'm just not a yoga person. I can't sit still. Um, having a hard time falling asleep or staying asleep. Kate. Um, getting a second wind of energy in the evening, that tired and wired feeling. Energy depletion. Feeling uh, reliant on stimulants or lots of sleep. So like you either need to sleep all the time in order to feel normal or you're cranking caffeine or sugar or you're getting a lot of carbohydrate cravings, especially like late afternoon, um, or you feel tired after a full night's sleep. So you're getting plenty of sleep, but you're still wiped out. Um, having low exercise endurance and tolerance. This is what Kate's talking about right now. Dizzy spells, craving salt, foggy thinking. So that brain fog feeling low stress tolerance. So like you used to be able to handle stuff and now you can't handle what you used to be able to handle. Low libido. Uh, symptoms of low blood sugar, even with a good diet, poor immune system dis uh, function, so catching every bug that comes around, every cold that goes around, feeling like you get injured very easily or you don't heal well, low back pain, and getting headaches after exercising. So that's a lot of stuff. And if you're experiencing some or a lot of those, chances are you probably have some adrenal dysregulation. So hey, P.S., you should sign up for the next round of Your Hormone Revival because I will fix you up. Um, it starts in February. It's going to be amazing. I'm very excited. This round is killer. So join me in February. You won't regret it. Okay. Now, if you look at all those symptoms that I was just talking about, they're t the ones that we tend to ignore and write off, I think it, this is especially true as women, but hey, maybe not. Um, 
I, I see it a lot in women. I definitely see it a lot in women. But now that I'm thinking about it, my husband writes off like everything. And like he would have to be missing a limb in order to go to the doctors. Like I'd be like, where's your arm? And he'd be like, I lost it today. And I'd be like, you should probably go to the doctors. You know, he is just not one to go to the doctors anyway. Um, but we write these off. And if they get bad enough for us to actually discuss them with our doctor, we're often prescribed a sleeping pill or anti-anxiety medication or antidepressants or painkillers without ever addressing what's really going on underneath the hood. We certainly don't address the life stress. We don't necessarily address the dietary stress that could be contributing to it. So um, we just pop a pill and kind of hope for the best. But that's that's the only tool at our disposal. That's all we know how to handle it. Um, and then we can just start to get really frustrated with ourselves, frustrated with our bodies. We think we're not tough enough. We think we're not resilient enough. We question why we used to be able to handle things and now we can't. We think it's a fundamental flaw. We might think we're hypochondriacs. Other people can handle things that I can't, right? It creates this self-flagellation, this self-judgment, maybe a little bit of shame, and it just perpetuates this this cycle. Um, and that is just crummy. And again, another reason I advocate for functional hormone testing like a Dutch test, because it can really validate a lot of what you're experiencing on a physical level. That's one of the big things that I, when I go over a Dutch test with one of my clients, they're like, this is so validating, right? I, here I was just thinking I was crazy. Um, all right, so let's jump into the exercise piece and we'll first start off with the concept of overtraining because that in and of itself is a major contributor to adrenal issues, especially when you combine overtraining, overexercising with underfeeding, with a restrictive diet, with not eating enough calories. Um, so overexercising can look like an intense exercise regimen, like a CrossFit style workout, and you're doing it like five to seven times a week, right? That's probably too much, probably too much. If and there's so many different ways to overexercise, um, we can look at marathon training. We could look at, um, you know, this is just one example that I'm going to throw out there because I do tend to see it a lot in my practice, just doing CrossFit, even when your body's demand or begging you to stop and you're doing it often or feeling like you have to work out every single day of the week, not from like, oh, this makes me feel good, but because like I have to do this. Um, when you're exercising this much, there's very little opportunity for the body to recover. Exercise is a hormetic activity. It's a hormetic stressor. We've talked about this on the show before. And that means that the exercise in and of itself is a stressor. The right amount of exercise is healthy, but going over that is actually unhealthy. It actually contributes to health problems. The trick, tricky part about it is assessing this for yourself. I mean, this is going to look different for everybody. There's no prescription for how much exercise is healthy or unhealthy. So this is what I do help to assess, um, help people assess. Problem with overtraining is that excessive exercise can burn up stored glucose, which can lead to blow, low blood sugar, 
we've talked about the low blood sugar so much on the show before that you guys are probably starting to get a good handle on the fact that it's very, it's a big problem. So excessive exercise on top of low blood sugar is extra problematic. Um, It will force your body to make more cortisol. So it thrusts you into that stress response to bring blood sugar back up. Um, Cortisol is a glucocorticoid. One of its main responsibilities is to regulate blood sugar. So if you're not able to do that with your food and if you're burning through glucose stores with exercise, cortisol, you have no choice but to, to release cortisol to bring your blood sugar back up to a normal level. So we're triggering this stress response, which we don't want to be doing, especially if we're already under stress. Um, one of the ways that cortisol does this is by breaking down lean muscle mass, and it can even uh, break down your own gut lining in order to free up amino acids to use them for fuel. This is considered catabolic. It's breaking tissues down. Um And obviously, if you're working out and simultaneously like breaking your own tissue down for fuel, that's not awesome. That's not a great combination. Um, If you're under stress, whether that's emotional stress, dietary stress, inflammatory stress, or otherwise, you're already in a catabolic state. So you don't want more catabolic activity. Instead, you want to balance it with anabolic activity building tissues up. We need to have a combination of the two. So this would look like, this could be why weightlifting is really helpful for people with adrenal problems, but that's only if you can handle it. Um, Again, you have to do some self-assessment there. Kate is saying like she's having a hard time handling most physical activity. So that's telling us we have to be extra um, cautious. And she sounds like maybe she's in a low cortisol picture, but I absolutely cannot say that. I cannot assess that without, um, looking at labs. There's no way to just go based off of symptoms. So if you have the labs, um, and you know that you're in a high cortisol state, here's my recommendations for high cortisol. Exercise can lower cortisol if it's not done to excess. So exercise might actually be really helpful, Um, especially if it feels like it calms you down, you can just like burn through some adrenaline by exercising. But the flip side of that is you could also push yourself too hard. So you want to make sure that you're watching out for that. Um, excessive cardiovascular and high intensity exercise can put you in a catabolic breakdown state. So this might not be a good time for high intensity interval training. It might not be a great time to start something new, like training for a marathon or to start CrossFit. Uh, You want to make sure in a high cortisol state that you're focusing on rest and repair as well as exercise. One One thing that athletes do, they train hard, but they also recover hard too. So if you're going to train like an athlete, you need to rest and recover like an athlete. You don't get to train like an athlete and then bomb right into your crazy stressful life. You don't get that. You have to earn the ability to train hard by lowering other stressors in your life. Um, And some moderate cardiovascular exercise is is okay. So like being at 70 to 75% of your max aerobic heart rate for your age for about 45 to 50 minutes can reduce that sympathetic overdrive, that overactive stress response and help to modulate cortisol. But 
that much exercise with adrenal fatigue, low cortisol can be counterproductive. So this is why testing can actually be so powerful and so helpful because it helps us cater your movement to your own unique needs. Um, so here are my recommendations for low cortisol. Um, and this would be adrenal fatigue. And I've talked before on the show how adrenal fatigue is a misnomer, but it's just, so don't come at me saying adrenal fatigue isn't real. I know it's not real, but the symptoms are real. And I don't like saying HPA axis dysregulation over and over again. It's exhausting and it makes me drink water. And then you have to listen to my gulping mouth noises on the mic, which is disgusting for everybody. So adrenal fatigue it is. Um, you really need to be cautious when you're in a low cortisol state because exercise might make you feel worse. And this is where radical self-honesty comes into place. You need to be honest with yourself. Do you feel worse or do you feel better? Um, it might make sense, especially if you're in a very depleted state, it might make sense to wait a couple of months and use that time to focus on rest, repair, rebuilding, um, really feeding yourself, um, taking care of yourself, reducing your life stressors, restructuring your life. You want to keep cardio to 20 minutes a day, no more. Absolutely no high intensity interval training that's asking your body to produce cortisol. You just don't have it to give. You want to keep your heart rate low. Um, Walking outdoors is wonderful. Getting full spectrum daylight is super beneficial to the endocrine system, the hormone system, your immune system. You can do some strength training that doesn't elevate your heart rate, especially if it doesn't deplete you. So things like rest-based training, which is you perform a set, you let your heart rate come down. So you rest until your heart rate come down and then you perform another set. You can do this with any type of workout. Um, so it's really about making sure that that heart rate doesn't get too elevated and doesn't stay elevated. But really helpful things are Hatha yoga, Pilates, you know, not a high intensity, high intensity Pilates, but just mat Pilates, stretching, Tai Chi, Qigong, breathing exercises, all of these restorative yoga, all of these can be really um, help to replete the system and re-nourish the system and get yourself back on track. When cortisol is depleted, some people can use exercise as a way to feel better and bring cortisol levels back up, but this will just give a short artificial boost and eventually leaves you feeling even more depleted, so I don't recommend that. Um, and so you want to do this self-assessment. You want to check in. How do you feel? How do you feel during your workout? How do you feel immediately after? How do you feel two hours later? How do you feel that night? How do you feel the next day? Keep checking in with yourself. Stay present. Stay aware and be honest with yourself. The goal is to feel better. If you're feeling worse, it is too much for you. You should feel energized and refreshed. Anything less than that is not good. So here are some specific signs of over-exercise, things to be on the lookout for. These are all indications that you're overdoing it for this season of your life. And note that I said this season of your life. This isn't forever and ever and ever. Be patient with yourself. Give yourself time for recovery. 
you have to do that, right? I'm not saying we have to take exercise off the table forever and ever and ever, but maybe just right now for this phase of your life. Um, and if you've, you're, you're thinking in your head, but I've always worked out like this. Great. But we have to assess, has, how, how did that work out for you? Because maybe that is what got you here in the first place. Maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe you are functioning functioning above your capacity for a long time and now your body is crashing because of it. Um, so other so signs of over-exercise is exhaustion, feeling like you need a nap on the days that you work out. That's not normal. Um, if it affects your sleep at all, if you're not sleeping well, so let's say you work out and you it, it, it's it's keeping you up at night, you're having a hard time falling asleep or staying asleep, or you're requiring more sleep than you normally do. If you start getting low back pain or a side ache, that could be an indication that the adrenals are speaking to you. If you get more aches and pains than usual, if you're not recovering well, you just have more soreness than usual, or you start getting frequent injuries. Those are all signs that it's too much for your body right now. So if you're feeling or experiencing any of those, you have to reduce the intensity of your workout, the duration of your workout, the frequency of your workout, or all three. Um, and there's one quick thing I want to leave you with. Um, if you're one of those people, myself, I include myself in this category, that has a hard time with like really be with the self-assessment. Like I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm overdoing it. Am I overdoing it? Am I not? Am I being too gentle? Am I pushing myself too hard? You can track something called heart rate variability, um, HRV, which is a measure of the autonomic nervous system. And it tells you the balance between your sympathetic your stress response and your parasympathetic relaxation response. It's not the same thing as heart rate. Um, heart rate counts the number of heartbeats per minute. Heart rate variability is the change in time between heartbeats. So it's very different. Um, you can get, uh, this is what I have. I'll link to the exact heart rate monitor that I have, a heart rate sensor. Um, it's a polar one. I'll, I'll put the Amazon link in the show notes. You can get that and then download an app called Elite HRV and use that as a way to get objective biofeedback right from your body, straight from your nervous system, which can, which kind of tells you you can go ahead and exercise, train hard today, or your body is not recovering well and you need to rest and relax. And that can be a super great tool for my athletes, for my hard chargers, for the people that want to keep moving but are worried that they might be doing too much but don't have a great way to self-assess. Um, okay, you guys, so that's it. My first episode back. Hope you loved it. Hoped it was helpful and... Um, you know, if you have any questions, bring them, on, bring them on over to Instagram. I'd love to hear from you. All right, you guys. Peep you next week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. Take care of you. 